0: You know, if you don't, if you get paralyzed by saying, I don't know how to do it, I'm not going to do it, then you never open yourself up to understanding how to do it. And so when I heard this no, I took it upon myself to say, okay, then they must not understand or they're not the right partner for me. Someone's going to say yes
1: get excited. This is a really, really inspiring episode. But before we get into it, a quick shout out to the sponsor of this episode of the She Can and She Did podcast. It's Squarespace, the website hosting platform that makes your dreams come true. I have been hosting my website and now two podcasts on Squarespace for the past almost five years. And I'm not a very tech savvy person. And without Squarespace, I guarantee that there is no way in hell that I would be doing what I do today. Squarespace makes it easy for you to take your idea and turn it into a reality and create a website that you can actually feel proud of. It doesn't matter if you're an artist looking to start a blog, a business, a restaurant site, if you have an e-commerce business, whatever it is, a wedding website, use offer code SHE DID to save 10% on your purchase of website and personal domain address. So take a chance on yourself. Take a chance on your vision. Take a chance on your purpose. Create your next website on Squarespace. Use offer code SHEDID. Yes? All right. Let's get into it. Welcome to the very first episode of the She Can and She Did podcast the podcast that celebrates, elevates, and hypes the hell out of women who are innovative and kick-ass forces not only in their industries and professions, but in their everyday lives as well. I'm Kelly Roberts, and today I want to introduce you to the entrepreneur and force behind How He Asked, a website and social media platform that shares proposal stories and helps men and women plan for their engagement, Stacey Stahl. In an age where starting your own blog is as common as getting a cold in winter, <laughs> Stacy successfully turned an idea for a blog into a website that in just five years after launching was acquired by Exo Group Incorporated, the parent company of the wedding media giant, The Knot. From getting started, finding purpose, being the breadwinner in a marriage, surviving the hardships of female entrepreneurship to Stacy's newest venture that's rooted in spreading kindness and community. At 30 years old, Stacy's killer skills in the boardroom and sense of self remind us all that we're capable of anything we put our minds to. So, without further ado, let's take the first leap of faith, introducing Stacy Stahl.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Stacy. I'm the founder of HowieAss.com.
1: Stacy, how long has your website been around? It's been just over six years now. How did how asked even start? Like what gave you the idea? And you've said from day 1 that, you know, monetizing and turning this into an actual viable business had has been the goal since the inception, which I think is very very rare when people start blogs. Blogs are normally a passion project and then they become, you know, side hustles or jobs. For you it was it was the opposite, which is so refreshing to hear.
0: So, I I did always know that I would start something. Both of my parents are entrepreneurs and I've never seen them work for anyone. And so that was just an experience that my parents gave me and showed me and I knew I'd always want it for myself. And so I think the reason I say I always was looking at it from a monetization perspective is because I wasn't doing, you know, starting a business was because that's what I knew I would do, not because I, you know, found this passion around it. And, um, so I started the site because one of my friends got engaged and her now husband asked me to be part of the proposal. So I was actually living in San Francisco at the time I grew up in Florida. And so the proposal was taking place there. So my friend's boyfriend at the time asked me to fly across the country for this. And I was like, I I was making like $0 at a startup. Like, that's the most expensive flight, and I'm confused. Like, am I proposing? Or are you proposing to me? Um, but it was so foreign to me at the time. But when I, I ended up going, he twisted my arm. Um, and it was honestly the most amazing moment of my life, <laughs> the emotion around it. And as you know, I'm an incredibly emotional person um, just like filled my heart to the brim and I was honestly crying more than my friend was. <laughs> and so, um, so it's funny, I worked at this company in San Francisco. It was a startup that all of the senior leadership were women. It was, um, it was like a Groupon, but all of the deals were for moms and all of the deals were sourced by salespeople who were moms. So again, just like very female focused. So when I flew back to San Francisco, like literally every person that I worked with was like, oh my gosh, tell us how we asked. And they didn't even know this girl at all. And so I was like, gosh, someone should start like a website. It was very, who like to share these because everyone wants to brag about them and share them and cry about them. And so I like looked at myself in the mirror one day and I was like, is this your business? <laughs> is this your first thing that you're, you know, is this the thing that's going to bring you into your independence and your entrepreneurial, you know,
1: journey? When you were growing up, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, like obviously, high school is very different than when you're seven or eight. Right. But, like, as you were getting older and going into college and then, like, post-adult, what did you think you would do be doing and what did you, like, want to do?
0: I actually carried what I wanted to do when I was seven or eight pretty far into Like my dreams, and I wanted to be a dolphin trainer.
1: Oh my god! So did I.
0: (laughs) I was dead set. I was like, I I honestly, every time I see a dolphin, I feel like not that it's my spirit animal, but that I either was a dolphin in a past (laughs) life, or I'm going to be a dolphin because my heart (laughs) sings. So, so I wanted to be a dolphin trainer, and then I wanted to work in fashion, and that was a huge mistake. But in college, I had some fairly coveted internships like I interned for Betsy Johnson and David Ehrman and the oh, company wow. that puts on yeah the company that puts on fashion week so i was like ready to go and um, and in fashion and then all of those experiences told me nope definitely definitely not going to work in fashion <laughs> um so i had to start from square one really after college even though i had studied pr and business and worked in fashion um i again, I had this like reminder that my parents have run their own businesses and they are the boss of their own life. And so I had to reevaluate, you know, what that looked like for me. And so one thing I really noticed, um, and I always, I always have these thoughts about passion and how much pressure it is to find your passion. I recognized pretty soon after knowing fashion wasn't for me, uh, that it wasn't so much that like my parents own a roller skating rink and a bus company, and they've owned a couple, companies. I know. Did you know roller skating rink? Right? Um, they've owned a couple of other things throughout their life. And my point is it's not so much that they love roller skating or they love big Greyhound charter buses. They don't? Yeah, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but there are elements in it like, for instance, skating, they get to provide a place for friends and family to share great experiences yeah. with each other. And they get to provide with the bus company, you know, good service to people going places. And so it wasn't so much like, am I passionate about like diesel buses, as much as it was, did I find something that moves me and motivates me and also allows me to live the life I want? So point being, I had to start over from what I thought I wanted to be a dolphin trainer, someone in fashion, yada, yada. And so I just picked a random startup. And I think that was a little bit serendipitous to help me on my way. But that was that?
1: I feel like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of focus on purpose right now. Which I feel like to some people finding their purpose is is, it can be life changing and it can be the sole like navigating light of of how they like move forward in their lives and how they pick careers and stuff. But for a lot of people like purpose is not something that they care about at all and they don't think they should be caring about it and they never do which is totally fine. Like there's a bajillion different ways that people go through our world like for you are you someone who is who like is constantly thinking about like what's my purpose.
0: I think that's such a good point. And I think it's a really big struggle for a lot of people, women, entrepreneurs, you know, anyone there. Um, I think that I can really pinpoint when I'm energized by something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I like to try to let my energy guide me. Yeah. So, you know, I know when I'm excited to wake up and do something, And so I try to do that more often. I also know, again, being my own boss, some days I don't have to wake up. And if I don't have to wake up, you know, I'll stay in bed. That doesn't feel so good. And so I try to make sure that each day I have something to look forward to because I do find purpose is important. Do I think that, you know, without purpose every second, like, who are you, what are you doing? No, that's a ton of pressure. Yeah. But think that you know when you feel encouraged and self-motivated. And those are the times that I think you really need to have conviction with what you choose to do with your time.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's exactly what you just said about your parents, like starting what they started. You don't have to (laughs) feel like you're changing the world every single second of every day. It's so great when you can, but so much of business is paying the bills and, and creating something that you believe in. And that doesn't mean you have to like eat, sleep, and breathe it. It's not your ethos.
0: Totally. And, you know, I think, again, with the pressure, you put a lot of pressure on yourself if you don't understand that part. Yeah. So I always try, and I know you do too, just to bring to light, not the negative, I wouldn't say, but the reality. And, you know, a tough conversation I always seem to have around social media is this habit that we're in of consuming other people's highs in our lowest, Mm, right? Yeah, you're sitting on the couch not wanting to get out of bed yet looking through instagram and of course you're not seeing other people not wanting to get out of bed on instagram you're seeing people who already have their morning coffee (laughs) and they woke up somehow like that and you know i take a quick like you know i flip the camera on my phone to see like do i happen to look that great this morning and it always is a no and you know what are you supposed to do but so point being like again, we are always in our lowest state when we're scrolling through what people posting their highest. And same thing when you're listening to a podcast, you know, you're right now, or when you're reading, you know, a book right now, you are at the point of like, I want to digest someone else's experience. And I think that we all owe it to ourselves to just come out with a true experience through and through. Um, but we're just not in the habit of doing that
1: that much. I know. Yeah. Especially because building, starting with a blog and building it into, you know, a brand or a platform like the way you have, it takes so much work and people see the same as social media. They see the milestones, you know, like no one shares when you pitched 34 different, you know, activations or partnerships and then not everyone said, no, they don't see that. They don't see how much you put yourself out there. Like, obviously we're not going to share that because it's just not very, uh, interesting, you know,
0: it's not, you know, it's interesting to the point that I hope that, you know, for me when I heard no's sometimes it motivated me because I had this confidence in the idea and in the brand and in what we were doing. And so when I heard this "no," I took it upon myself to say, Okay, then they must not understand or they're not the right partner for me. Someone's going to say yes. The second I let someone's no impede on what I felt about what I was building, that's when it would disrupt my flow. Yeah. If I was like, oh, okay, they said, no, they're not the right partner, you know, maybe in a year, maybe they're just having a bad day or whatever it is. If I didn't accept, you know, their no as being my fault, it helped me just keep going. And so for me, a lot of it was just power in numbers. Like when you said 34 activations and I got a no, I was like, oh girl, you got to bump that it up to like 340 actually pitched things. Someone will say
1: yes. You know? Yeah.
0: And somebody... I mean, you just keep going, and you can keep going. It's easy to keep going if you just, you know, close the negative and just, you know,
1: how do you through. how did you not take it personally when you put yourself out there time and time and time and time and time again, and then you are having a bad day and you like it just all feels hopeless or it feels like maybe it's not working as as well as you think it is. How did you handle those moments?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I just had to end up accepting that the highs and lows would be there and trust that when I not not even trust but I would look back and at the whole picture and it actually would be higher than all the nose. it really would you know when you you know I'm sort of like doing a worm diagram or something with my hands right now but it's up and down and up and down as long as you are have this upward trajectory pattern you can hang with the nose all you want. You know, those will happen. You have to accept those. There's just no choice. Yeah. But yeah, you see it, the trajectory going straight downward, even with some of the highs, like then you could reevaluate. But in general, I felt like I had enough highs in between all the lows to get me to the next high.
1: Going back to the beginning, how did you like at what point did you start to reach out to jewelry companies and, and big, bigger brands to try to find ways to work together? Like, how do you know to do that? How did you know how to frame it? And how do you know how to get in touch with people?
0: I didn't know at all. <laughs>
1: That's a great answer. I,
0: <laughs> I tried something and then I didn't get a response. I tried something else and I got an interesting response, right? And then I tried another thing and I got a positive response. And so I opened myself enough, opened myself up enough so that I had this feedback loop going on. You know, if you don't, if you get paralyzed by saying, I don't know how to do it, I'm not going to do it, then you never open yourself up to understanding how to do it. So no one knows the answers. The difference is that you try, you pitch it out to whoever you're pitching, and you let them tell you, you know, the response. And when you get enough feedback, you can start to massage a better picture of what it is your target business partner looks like. Yeah. So, again, I, I did not know, but, you know, sometimes I would send a novel of an email and sometimes I would send one line. Sometimes I would send, you know, an immediate kit along. So, you know, it just varied. And I always say um, it's really about finding your sweet spot like in everything you do. So when you try everything, you will know, again, what energizes you. You will feel it in your bones when something works and go with that. But until then, you're just, you know, playing with who knows what.
1: How did you know who to reach out to? Did you just stalk people on social media or like show up to stuff?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, yep, stalk people on social media. I did a lot of LinkedIn fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think, social media can be really powerful because it's really easy to contact people but at the same time a lot of people contact the same person yeah. and yeah. so that can be difficult to get a response but i believe that to someone you will stand out
1: how did you start to to mold how you would sell partnership stuff to different brands you know like how did that look in the beginning of when you started approaching bigger brands versus like the end of it before you got acquired by exo group and then like which is the parent company of the knot how did that it look? it was like?
0: a mod podge i yeah. pitched everything yeah and yeah. it would all be different i would even send the same media kit to one person with a certain price and then to someone else like 900 percent more or less Interesting. and Interesting. it was it was a total crapshoot uh how did and you know I who wish- to
1: turn to for pricing? Did you just kind of throw stuff at the wall and just like hope and like figure figure it out? Or did you talk to anybody?
0: Truly, no. I just, you know, I did research on what some of the standards were. And I think in all of our industries, we can all do that. But I ended up making it up after that. You know, I I would deviate the standard, the research that I found that was standard. I would deviate by probably, you know, 25% up. Same. (laughs) And go from there. And then even then, you know, I would say if something that really helped me um, in building my audience that I'm really proud of is the integrity that I had. So, you know, I tried using a bot on Instagram for like four days and then I got really scared. I was like, I don't want to do this. I want a high integrity audience. I really do. I want the people who connect with how he asked and our brand to be people who really care about love stories and uplifting experiences. And so... We have, we had a great, we have, we had all of it, a great audience with, again, high integrity, such that I knew every time an advertiser worked with me, they would feel like, wow, there was a great response to this. And that really helped me continue to build. And because I was an independent entrepreneur and because the success of one of my partner's campaigns meant they'd come back for more, I did everything I could to ensure that it was successful. And so I think that the brands that I ended up having really substantial partnerships with valued that. And so we'd continue to grow. And in the end, you know, I had a book of 75 advertisers, but there were really five that were my partners in everything. And I would turn to them and they would pay any price you know, sort of,
1: <laughs> to be- No, I know what you mean.
0: Because they trusted me and they knew me yeah. and they knew the audience I built. And so having this integrity, you know, people want to tell you what to do with your business. You know, you want to start comparing yourself to someone having more this or less that. And and that's just, you know, you have to understand your own business and your own audience yeah. and keep that integrity. And that's what people will value.
1: Did you have a big break or like a defining moment in how he asked?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. I think Instagram rising in popularity helped. Yeah. But it was fairly steady. You know, the nature of proposal stories, I'm sure you've seen on YouTube and on how we asked, um, they go viral sometimes. So yes, we have these upticks in traffic that help us garner a bigger audience and a lot of times they will stay. And so, you know, we start to rise up and up and up, you know, on the, uh, readership level but I don't know I do think it was still fairly steady
1: I think it's always fairly steady and people perceive right big breaks and I mean obviously it's exactly what you said there are like certain moments that amplify what you're doing and like if you're thinking of a spotlight like the spotlight gets bigger right but it never starts with a flooded stage of light. Like it always starts with like a very small spotlight Absolutely. and it's always like a, like a work behind every spotlight. Right. And that's There's a woman the who's it was, it was working big her ass big off. Break. I'm
0: like, no, I worked my ass yeah. off for that big break. Exactly. <laughs> so it, I think
1: like, I, I think there are definitely moments for me that helped me propel forward a little bit but like no it's been right
0: and I've been working that hard before and after so let the spotlight be what you perceive and see because a spotlight is visible <laughs> but I know in my bones that I have been working my butt off like sunrise to yeah,
1: yeah. I love it when people are like overnight success and I'm like excuse me <laughs> yeah Too- i do you want to see the text messages? Yeah. To my people? Well, for me, like, I know there's a little
0: bit of offense, I take, but then there's this also like, let me flip this around to motivate you. If you think it was overnight, homie, like it's almost this yeah. reverse psychology of please don't think it's overnight because you won't get anywhere. Instead, think it's hard work. And like you're saying, these amplification moments, I, I love, you know, how you said that. Um, but those are things that just keep you going, right? Like you were yeah. in the beginning, you're gonna keep going afterwards. It's just those moments really provide this like burst and this jolt that I think are priceless when you're you know, running your own show.
1: When you started how asked, were you still working for that startup?
0: Yes, I was. Um so I um so my husband and I were living in San Francisco, he worked for Google and I worked for a startup. And I loved the company I work for. Uh, but Google transferred Greg back to New York where we had been living before. Um, and we love San Francisco and we love New York. And so when they gave us that opportunity, we we're like, yes, let's do it. So I was sort of forced to quit my job. You know, I stayed on and consulted part time when I moved back to New York for them. But I really was forced to quit and leave. And I just in that moment said to myself, um, I'm not going to get another job, at least a serious job. I did side gigs and this and that, but you know, I tried to balance the part-time job when I was using my brain and it was really tough to have the mental focus on someone else's job and my job. And so I ended up again, finding side jobs and things that didn't take as much of my time uh, or at least my mental energy so that all of my mental focus and brain power could just go to how we asked in my business. And that's another thing that I think people sometimes shy away from is making that sacrifice. And I'm 30 now; I just turned 30. Oh, we should have done this when I could have said I was 29, but no, now I'm 30. <laughs> um, but when I you're started still
1: so math, young, Stacey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, but um, but. I um, yeah, I was 24 when I started it, and so Ugh. I, t- but I took on all these small, you know, I was babysitting, like yeah. pet sit, you know, all these things. And I think people are nervous to take that jump and say like I'm doing a petty side job, but that's what you gotta do. I looked at that as hustle. yeah, those were my best years. Plus, those kids that I hung out with, like they gave me so much you know, exercise and relief from otherwise, like, <laughs> trying to build a business. And there
1: was such... Sitting in front of a computer.
0: Totally. So it was really, really valuable. And so I would, I, I think some of the more humbling moments were actually some of the more impactful ones too, so...
1: I totally agree. And it makes you, like... It's in those moments where you're working for someone else or doing something else that you're like, I absolutely need to make this work, right. this thing that I've already put so much into. Like, it really does put everything into perspective. Right. And gives you so much like respect yeah. for what you're doing and then also like what you have to do to make this other thing that you're doing work. I agree. But you weren't married when when you were in San Francisco. No, he was my boyfriend. Your boyfriend. Yeah. Were you all in from the beginning? In my relationship? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> no. no, we will talk about that. No, I mean with how yes. Like in the beginning, like were you completely without like unwavering, yeah, you know, 100%. never once doubted that it would become a thing?
0: Um, so before I bought the domain name, I said to myself, The Knot would totally buy this one day. And then wow. I bought the domain name. And then six years later or five years later, The Knot bought it. So a hundred percent I had, I was like, this is a solid idea. I'm going to do it.
1: Did you ever, did you ever like want to quit?
0: Yeah. Like, were there any
1: moments where you like really came close?
0: No, not, not really came close because it was always a good thing. It was, it wasn't so much I wanted to quit. It was that I needed to change. And so, you know, a different Hmm. phase of the business, you can take on an employee or you could hand off responsibility to someone. And so, you know, the year before I sold How He Asked, I knew that there'd be a change and I didn't know if it You know, I I was hoping and had a good feeling it would be an acquisition, but it also could have been that I brought in an operator and I, you know, started a different vertical with the content platform. Um, But I knew that there was some shift happening. So it wasn't so much that I ever thought of quitting, but I knew it had to evolve. And I was at a turning point, you know, I was at that turning point of recognizing that sort of right when the not conversation started.
1: I think that's always how it goes. I think for some people it can be too exhausting and like there is a point where you have to say like this is not worth it for me anymore and you step away and then it becomes something else. It's not a failure. You just, you move in a different direction and a lot of people see it as a failure because maybe they didn't like see it through or, or do exactly what you just said and like flip the coin and move it in a different direction or start to pursue other elements. Right but I, I feel like that's like the one thing that I always hear people say is like, oh, I wish I would have. It was such a failure. And I'm like, you can, you just moved in a different direction. Totally. And it's I have, not a failure. Yeah.
0: I think the word failure, this is a common thing to say, but I, I don't really look at failing as failing. I think of it as getting experience and, yeah, you know, it's like pain is just this and, and struggle is just this, this like jab at you to say like, all right, rethink this or try something different. And so when you feel like, you know, you want to quit, it's likely because you're facing something that either isn't supposed to happen anyways, or the universe is telling you, you know, it's giving you a, a response like, nah, try again, but that's fine. What What's the, what's wrong with that? You know? Yeah. And actually something that I really had been thinking about, um, in that same year timeframe right before I sold how he asked, knowing that I, a transition would happen or, or thinking one would, um, you know, I had these pretty big scary to-do lists and there would be weeks at a time where I would have like the same three things on my to-do list and they would like never go away. I mean, maybe even months, they were just sitting on my to-do list. And I rated to-do list every day and it would just transfer over to the next one. And there was just one day that I looked at this list and I was like, wait, why have these things been sitting here for five weeks? And then another pattern came out and it was like, holy cow, these are also the most important things. Right now, like and, and also I'm like really afraid of them. And so when I realized that like I was putting off things I was afraid of and also the things I was afraid of were the most important things, I had this switch in my mind immediately and it stuck with me that every time I have something on my to do list and I star it, that means I'm scared of it, and that means it's the first thing I do that day. Hundred percent the first thing. And so that was I'm gonna really- take that Yeah, <laughs> write that down. It has been helpful. I've never looked you know, because yeah. it's really true, like, don't you have things on your list where you're like, why is this just sitting there? And you're like, i sitting there because I'm scared. Why am I scared? I'm scared because it's important. And like, I don't know. I think people should prioritize the most important things in life. I don't think anyone really disagree with that.
1: Yeah. It's like prolonging, uh, prolonging the inevitable right. sometimes, yeah. you know, you know, you know that you know the outcome or, you know, I think, I think for me, at least I'll speak to me. I know when something intimidates me. Sometimes I don't put my all in to give myself an out, and then like the inevitable. I mean, like when something doesn't go my way, and I was intimidated because of that. Right. And then I'm like, well, you have no one to blame but yourself because you did exactly what you knew you were going to do. Right. Right. <laughs> no, doing should, it first exactly. is like you just yeah do your best. Yeah, just
0: shift that mindset and just yeah you know, recognize it's important that you have to do it, and the fear and that intimidation. That can exist. I'm not telling you to not feel yeah. those things.
1: Oh, it does. That's
0: <laughs> right, but I'm suggesting like those things are going to be there whether you do it or you don't do it. So why not yeah. let them hang to your right? Like picture them as little scary annoying funny little monsters on your shoulder and just be like, "Hey, you guys be annoying assholes, like I have a to-do list to do." And then you just like have this annoying friend on your shoulder all the time, but you don't listen to them. You just continue to do, you know?
1: Yeah. Acquisition. What was that like? It was fun. <laughs> um, it- was that the most, I, I can't even imagine how the, the sense of accomplishment and the pride that would come from this, this thing that you started being acquired by a big giant public company, like, you know, the not parent, the not's parent company XO group.
0: Yeah. I, you know, now I'm in this place of um, understanding that, but in yeah. the months prior, there was a lot of work that went into it. So honestly, mm. the day we signed, I was like, I, I need a nap, bed. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like I remember I the CEO, I'm, I'm sorry, the CFO and I, you know, sort of shook hands and she was like, did you check your bank account? And I was like, I don't have any more energy to check my bank account. You know? Um, but no, it was, um, It was a long, um, big process, but they all are. You know, I I wasn't any unique example. Um, And so I am really glad that I had that experience. It was my first time doing it. I, you know, probably not my last. Um, And yeah, it it was a process,
1: (laughs) I will say. It's been over a year. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Since you got acquired, what is the transition been like? Cause you decided to move with into XO. So now you are with that. You still manage how we ask and you still do the social, but now you're with a big company. You're no longer working for yourself. Yeah. I mean, you kind of are. Yes.
0: So I, um, so I had a handful of people working with me and they continued as well as, you know, contractors of the not now and so or at, of XO group. And so day to day, I still work with the same people. So it's fairly, you know normal for us um but it is great now to also have the resources that XO group has and yeah. you know I work cross functionally so I'll work with their you know tech team and the editorial team and I'll work with people on social media but also you know w- the legal team and so that has been something that I've really enjoyed being an independent entrepreneur I just you know every I used to say like I I was a lawyer, 10% an accountant, 10% a social media person, you know, and now, you know, I can actually do things with people who are like 100% a lawyer, you know? Yeah. So that experience has been very valuable to me. And so I've, I'm thankful that I've shifted, you know, to XO group. That being said, there's plenty of things that small business, big business, like things that I'm like, whoa, like you know, my team could have done this yesterday, but there's all these approvals and this and that, and it's completely normal for any company. But that's just something I and my team hadn't been doing for five years. So, uh, so getting that practice was also really helpful for me
1: now. Do you have a favorite proposal story from, from, or a couple of favorite proposal stories that have like just stuck with you? Yeah.
0: So I have a ton. Some are sentimental, some are but I mean, most are just the sentimental ones. Like, I don't know about the epic ones, if they're really me, but one in particular that I thought of that you would like, because it's kind of hysterical. Uh, there was a couple who had just like been together for ages and they were always getting, even like when they were like 20, like super young, like getting this question like, oh, when do you get married? When do you get married? And they would always say like, you know we had a lot of ducks to get in a row like before we get whatever and so it would always be a joke with them someone would ask and they would say oh we got to get our ducks in a row and so you know i guess when the time came for the guy to actually propose he got these like big blow up like ducks like rubber duckies and there were like 12 of them. And he just like, put like, literally huge. And he like put them in this big field. And he had like number one, number two, number three. And each one had a milestone that they'd hit. So it was like, look, we got oh. a row. We first kiss. I know it was not You oh. in a row, we, you know, we both, you know, held hands. But we had to went to college, bought a house, get whatever it was. And so finally it was like they're all in a row let's get married and so it was it's just a cute and like really visually adorable thing and uh, yeah and it was sentimental and it was private but it was you know full of love and you know humor so it was great
1: what do you think makes a good proposal
0: uh, you know i it's all about the tiny unique details that are specific to that couple you know the helicopter you know like, oh, this plane's going down. Will you marry me before we, you know, crash? That stuff really scares me. And I don't know. And when like you're both pilots and you met as like co-pilots, I don't know why you would do that to someone. But <laughs> um, so I really like just when you can pick out a really unique, sweet detail that is really, really specific to your relationship and elevate it in some way in your proposal. Like my husband and I, when we first met, I um, – I actually moved to Colorado and I did a ski season. My family's big skier and like, I always wanted to be a bum for a season. So I moved and we had just met like two weeks before that, but he was a big skier. So he actually came out often and we had this like long distance early start to our relationship. And he, on one of his trips on the last day, he said something like, before we had said I love you or anything, he was like, I'm just really grateful that I'm leaving this trip knowing we love each other and da-da-da. And I was like, whoa, who loves you? Like, who said we love each other, you know? Um, and so we just always have this joke that, like, we said I love you on the mountain, even though we didn't. And so he ended up proposing to me when we were skiing on the mountain, you know? And so, like, that little detail that, you know, a mountain proposal is like, okay, why is that special Like, or like it's beautiful but like why is it special but to us it was and there was a reason and so I always like proposals that have that one tiny detail that make you know it super 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 sentimental
1: what are your thoughts on uh on the gender roles and and that men always propose to women
0: um you know I it's a tradition that I mean I didn't mind getting a ring from a boy like that didn't bother <laughs> me in any way shape or form And I think a lot of my friends would agree, but, um, but also if you are a woman and you want to propose to your male partner or, you know, or woman to woman or man to man, whatever. Sure. You know, I I have no. I don't have a big comment on it. I just think if you want to do it, great. If you don't, you don't. And Yeah. I think people want to talk about it a lot, but I, it's, I haven't really seen it. I might have seen like two cases out of the 15,000 plus stories that have been on How You Asked. So Really? Yeah. But if you're listening – I it,
1: met someone this weekend who did it. And
0: you want to propose, like go for it. I want to hear the story.
1: I know. I feel like I would propose. So that's why I'm always like – I feel like I would get angry if it wasn't like we're on the same page and we're doing this together. And I hate surprises. <laughs>
0: So you're like, I'm just gonna buy my own ring. But so here's the thing, really. I honest, think
1: I would. Yeah,
0: no, but that that I was gonna say, I should have <laughs> said this in the beginning. Um, like, like numbers wise, men are still proposing to women, but more and more women are just having an active part in the conversation. I think it's like 33 percent of women have like shown the guy the ring they want or like again something around the 30% number of men and women are shopping together and that's up from like 20% 5 years ago.
1: Your relationship is one that I love because <laughs> this is something you and I talk about all the time. Yep. But I mean you're you're the breadwinner not to say you know that your your SO is is you know a bum he's yeah. incredibly you know yeah. smart and well, he's doing good, Yes, but you are the breadwinner. What is that like?
0: For now I'm breadwinner. He will definitely have his day in the sun, but you know, I, I did start a company, you know, early on in life and thankfully it came to fruition. The success came to fruition. So, um, I, you know, I definitely like to like poke at it and fun, but he is the most supportive person. Like he's never bad in an eye. Like I will be talking to, you know, all of his coworkers, be saying and like, Well, I'm the breadwinner, so you know. And <laughs> he just is like, Yep. So he's a good sport and he plays along and, and he's so supportive. I mean, he's reaped plenty of benefits. So uh, you know, he's there's nothing that I don't even know the words. Like I I guess now that I say it it's pretty shocking that he's this wildly supportive. He is.
1: He really is. He really is. <laughs> When you were growing up, like, when you you looked at the women who were around you in in your life, maybe family, maybe family friends, maybe, you know, teachers, whatever, did you – what were, like, the the gender roles that you saw?
0: That's such a good question. Um, Well, so my parents always worked together Mm -hmm. on their businesses. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was a gender role conversation per se, but – they could really discuss what their best strengths were and what they wanted to do within the businesses and sort of chisel out, you know, what was best for each of them. So I did get to see my mom pick and choose the things that she was passionate about. And a lot of those things were like connecting with people, doing public relations, doing the marketing, like making sure people who came to the skating rink, like were having having good time and service things. So, you know, my direct role model being my mom, um, again, I just got to see her choose what made her heart sing. Yeah. And so that was really inspiring to me. And that's this, you know, this conviction that I, I feel like am fairly proud of in myself and, you know, got from her. Um, and then other women growing up, you know, I lived in a fairly small, regular town, you know, half the moms were moms and half the moms had, you know, were teachers or doctors or, you know, nothing very atypical. Um, But again, my parents were very atypical, so that helped open my eyes there. But then when I got my first couple jobs out of college, that second startup where the CEO is a woman I still talk to all the time, and most of the senior leadership were women, like that was so encouraging to me. Yeah. We were basically forced to support women, right? Because we had to support our company, and it was all other women. And I had such a great experience there. There were so many you know, grown women who were champions for me and for the work that I was doing. And it boosted my confidence enough to start a company. So nothing like, you know, finding people who you trust and who believe in you and you have this reciprocal, you know, symbiotic relationship that you're both just like, you're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. It really helps.
1: So what's next for you? I mean, I want to talk about this new project that you have that I am beyond excited about.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Um yeah, so you already know. I started a um it's it's not a nonprofit in the like government sense, but yes. it's not for a profit for me or anyone else aside from charities. And so um it's called Say It Forward. The domain is actually letsayitforward.com. And so Say It Forward is a way for people to send kind, unexpected, you know, uplifting and positive messages to friends, family, and strangers. And Um, the cards get sent, um, digitally, they're just, you know, via email and they get sent anonymously. And so in order for the recipient to unlock who sent their card, they can do one of two things. So they can either say it forward, which means they have to send something nice to someone else, or they can donate to a charity of their choice. That's more of the pay it forward feel. And we've partnered with 12 charities. So the recipient can read the message and feel good. They just have this, you know, call to action to unlock it if they want. And, um, so yeah, I just launched about uh, a month or two ago and I'm just starting to get the word out there and it's going great. Where'd that idea come from? So I am, as you can probably tell, with the starting a proposal website. Um, equal parts, entrepreneur, equal parts, like, crazy, mushy, emotional, like I want to motivate everyone and make people feel good and live their best life. And I am constantly just like telling people what I feel like thinking about you, you're a badass or like, I want to be you when I grow up or just what you know, or just really touting people around me as accomplishments is something that brings me such joy. I just think that these things go unnoticed. Um, and they shouldn't. So I have never been shy to tell someone when I think they're amazing, even if it's like a barista at Starbucks is like their glasses are nice. I'm like, girl, you look good today, you know? So point being, I just wanted to encourage people to do that more and to recognize the good in other people, to have the confidence to share what you feel, you know, about someone to them. And so I wanted to like gamify sending nice things to people. And so that's how the idea came about. It's
1: amazing. I mean, this is something that I started doing on Instagram because I'd see all these contests and brands would want me to do contests and I just I don't know why for me personally I'm going to speak for myself yeah. I had a very hard time with the people being like you have to follow me you need to follow this person and like and this is you know all this is as a transaction and I'm like I don't want to do that like it, like the only rule is that you have to celebrate someone and if you want to celebrate 10 yeah. people you have 10 entries but you have to celebrate well. someone so like seeing that I was like this is so important it's so important I, it, no one tells people you know like I am so like watching you, how you've handled this divorce and like, you know, you still managed to go on a walk with me every morning, you know, like that means so much to me. And I just want to tell you, like, you inspire me and you get me out of bed. So things like that. Like I, people don't say those things because we just know.
0: Even like I'm not even the recipient of that. And I'm like crying. Like hearing you say those nice words. I hate this
1: notion that love is implied. Like I I hate it.
0: I know. I'm sure. And you know, you, I don't think that we have to necessarily get to like, you know, crazy thing could happen tomorrow make sure, you know, but that's how I
1: live my life for sure.
0: I mean, and I know you do. And I think that that's another sort of like extreme that I think some people like are uncomfortable with, like wrapping their heads around. So like, I almost want to be like, look, this is easier than that. Like, it's not like people deserve to be told things because they're a lot like, because because
1: we're here and you know, and like,
0: I personally know, and I think maybe this stems from, again, being an independent entrepreneur, but, like, I'd like someone to tell me good words every damn day. Like, how else am I supposed to get out of bed, you know? And so anytime, you know, and I'm also like love language is words. Like I need you to be like stroking me with words of like You're doing good, keep hustling, you know, you will change the world, all these things. Like they don't have to fully be true, but I want to know that someone feels them about me. And yeah. I want to make sure that anyone in my life, like I'm telling them. If and the flip
1: side you- is it makes you, it forces you to accept praise, which we're, we as women are already so bad at
0: yeah yeah I mean I like can internalize praise pretty well like okay yeah I'll keep going I'll take it you know but but like responding to it yeah and yeah. giving it like it's gonna be awkward period no matter what and so I'm hoping that Say It Forward can take some of that away by one gamifying it two making it cute three like everyone's doing it in a sort of Coy, like I sent you something way, you know. So
1: I mean, speaking of which, can we talk for a hot second about what you just did on the Ellen DeGeneres show?
0: Honestly, I mean this is a turning point in my life, okay? So like getting married, selling business, yada yada, like who cares? This was amazing. So um, yeah, there is a cashier at the Walgreens that I go to. And I'm like I'm not totally new to St. Louis. I live in St. Louis now, everyone, by the way. Um, I've been here like a little over two years, and I have friends and I love it, but I have been going to that Walgreens since I started, uh, oh my gosh, since I moved here. And there's always this cashier we're not best friends, he doesn't know my name, but I know and I love him, and I have gotten to see him interact with every single customer in this crazy genuine way. And every time I'm there and I watch this, I'm like, he is a blessing to the world. I mean, the guy will like look at your credit card so he can call you by your first name. With some customers, he'll like remember your kid's math test and ask like how it went, you know? Others, like I've heard stories now because I did this campaign thing um, where like he's come around from his register and like given someone a hug because he noticed that they were like coming to get medicine like very often, you know, he's just the nicest guy. And this sort of leads back to the say it forward thing. I think that people need to know when they make an impact on someone else. And in the guy's name is Mike. In Mike's case, like, I mean, he must see a thousand people a day. I have never seen him in a negative way or, or never in this, like, you know, anything but positive. That's, that's all he's been. Um, and so I was like, okay, let's recognize him. But my first thought was I was just going to leave like a hundred dollar gift card on his car this Christmas and just be like, you know, this is from the universe and everyone in it who loves and appreciates you. And that's it. So then I told some friends about it and they were like, Oh my gosh, we love Mike. Like called him by his first name. And I was like, Oh, I, guess, I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't other people know yeah. this guy? I guess. And I talked about it with my husband and we both were like, dude, we should start one of those campaigns, like the fundraisers and like, just get him a ton of money and give him this crazy, awesome gift for Christmas and, or the holidays, you know? Um, And so I put up one of those um, Indiegogo pages. It's like through their generosity.com platform. And I posted on social, posted on like a couple like neighborhood things. And within like 24 hours, we had a thousand dollars raised. And like as weeks went by, we ended up getting like, I don't know, $6,800. But at a certain point, I um, talked to our local news station because they wanted to cover the story And like on the phone, I was like, um, this is really great. I'd love for you to cover it. But do you know this woman, um, blonde hair, blue eyes, um, Ellen DeGeneres, she lives in LA or Burbank, you know, and they were like, yes, Ellen is in our news network. Like they're both an NBC, you know, station. And I was like, okay, well, if you, you know, if you talk to her, go ahead and pass our name along. And she's like, the producer was like, oh, I'll send it to, you know, whatever contact we have for the Ellen show. And I was like, okay, great she got a quick response that was like such a template that was like, you know, we'll be in touch if we're interested, you know, if you don't hear from us in two days, like consider it a pass. So I was like, okay, they didn't even read it. Um, and then I was, the next night I was like having game night with Greg, my husband, we were playing sorry and scrabble and whatnot. And in the middle of it, I get this like unknown, a call from an unknown number in Burbank. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And I mean, like I knew it was her team. It wasn't Ellen, but, um, obviously, but the guy was like, Hi, is this Stacy? And I was like, hi, is this Ellen? <laughs> and he's like, yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, this is really crazy. And honestly, the guy was like a ball of energy. Oh like, I don't gosh. know how someone couldn't reciprocate his energy. I mean, he was just on top of the world, so happy, had all these so, like such fun questions. Um we had a couple Skype calls like face to face. Um which I was like, oh my God, should I get my makeup done for this? (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, and then one thing led to another and they were like, all right, we want to cover the reveal. Like we want to be there when you give Mike his gift. And I was like, you mean like, you like you just want to come and hang out and he's like no you want to like air it and I was like on the sh-, like with you know you know whatever so anyways um they flew Jeannie, who's like the correspondent who goes around and surprises everyone out here with like a bunch of their pr- like production crew and they filmed it and at the end it's like so surprising but ellen um like had this game that he was playing with mike where the funniest he had, like, a- game so funny um we had to go like find like the first thing was like go find me something that you buy like uh someone
1: was ashamed to buy
0: (laughs) Or ashamed a man was ashamed to buy that was the best you know when you're sick whatever it was and so we had to run around the store and for everything that he like brought back to ellen like he'd get a thousand dollars the time ran out and she just gave him ten thousand dollars he was so shocked and then she was like oh and by the way i want you guys to come to my birthday show and i was like like, did she mean you guys as in like me too? And I like, my life is forever changed.
1: Forever it's so changed. amazing.
0: Yeah, it was awesome.
1: That I mean, that is just. I mean, I I mean, I texted you this, but like, people people who are it is hard to be nice always. Really, yeah. really hard, especially when you're giving everything you have just to like show up. So for him, oh. like, and that probably just changed his life and like people underestimate the smallest things oh yeah which is the power of say it forward and why I'm so excited about it thanks because not I, everyone can give money but exactly. words they they yeah, matter if
0: I continue the kindness like I yeah. keep calling it the line of love but honestly the whole Ellen thing too has had that same effect like I've had people reach out to me like thousands of people like email message this and that and like compliment me like say nice things and like receiving those messages obviously like i'll take the kudos but more so i'm like oh my god you are bold enough to reach out and say something nice to someone like that is what i felt was a success you know like i thought to myself like okay obviously after the ellen show i was like we're doing this in my head i was like i need like a mission here like i can't just be a goof like being silly on tv and like of course in the end i was a goof being silly on tv but i thought to myself like i need a mission i need like something to accomplish like Obviously, rewarding Mike was one thing, but, you know, I wanted to tell the audience, like, you know, find your own mic. You can do this, you know, and that didn't happen. But here I am telling you, so maybe this will get out to the whole world. But point (laughs) being, um, just inspiring other people to, like, reach out with their own words of, you know, warmth and support was, like, check.
1: It's amazing, and I'm so excited about it.
0: Like, the amplification of that. Like, thank God, right? Like, honestly, when I sold How He Asked, like, I had a couple, like, good jobs. Like, nope. Like, press didn't cover it. Like, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, bummer. And now, like, this getting, you know, quote, unquote, picked up, like, this is what should get picked up. Yeah. Anyway, like, this is, you know, I'm so grateful that this got as far as it did. I think it's had, like, 10 plus million views on Ellen's Facebook page. She posted the video. And there's, like... Obviously, I, like, troll some of the comments and, like, look through them. And I've seen, like, eight negative ones. Like, most of them are so positive. And I'm like, okay, this is good.
1: <laughs> it's magic. That's what it is. Yeah. To anyone who's, who has an idea for something and literally doesn't know where to start or is maybe they don't have resources, maybe they just, they're just they just too afraid or they don't think they have time, like, what is the best thing that they can do to take that idea and just take a step forward? Maybe it won't become a business. Maybe it will.
0: That's such a good question. I think um, I think just doing the research and spending the time, you know, instead of your first thought being like, I I can't do this. Why don't you investigate to actually see how you can, because you can and really no one, you know, when I started the site, like I, I did not invent websites, I did not invent the internet. And I did not invent like email conversations, you know, all of these things. I didn't know, but I just tried. And so I think the first step is just saying to yourself, like, will I give myself the time, the space and the confidence to look into this? You know, could I create even a short to do list from some of that research? You know, don't put so much pressure on yourself to have the final piece ready before you even start. Yeah, And, you know, I think we all think that you know, people that came before us, like knew everything. And that's just impossible. Everyone who's accomplished something started at zero. And, you know, in my case, like, I always ask questions, I was never shy to, you know, ask people to pick their brain, or, I you know, I read tons of books and listen to other people's thoughts. And like, you know, I would pull from other people's experiences, I always say, like, you know that proverb that's like to know the road ahead ask those coming back. You know I think you can learn a lot from hearing what people went through because first you'll just get exposed to knowing that they they started at square 1 too. Um yeah, and then I think, you know, the other piece for like taking the jump is like you know, what is your opportunity cost? Like are you the CEO of Pepsi making, you know, 12 million dollars a year in salary and, you know, eight times that in bonus? Like uh, if you're listening and that's you, like, I'm going to give you my phone number. but
1: like
0: <laughs> I don't think it is, you know? And so if you think of, you know, maybe you're making a $40,000, $80,000 salary, whatever it is, like, could you go down to 30,000? Could you do that part time and spend this here and do this? I'm not telling you to wipe your life away of any of the upside that you currently have, but how could you, you know massage that manipulate it change it test it to like give you the space you know I don't think there's anyone who has pulled the ripcord and just been there the starting point they've had to juggle until they found this like comfort rhythm
1: and zone where do you see yourself in like this is such a crazy question to ask because I doubt you have an answer but where Uh, do you see yourself in 20 years
0: There's 20. That's like the furthest out. I know. That's why I want to go there. Wait, 20. I'll be 50. Um, well, I hope I have a happy, healthy family. Um, I want to continue giving myself experiences and then inspiring others to have experiences as well. You know, anything that I've ever done, like I want to make sure that I empower others to like be able to do the same thing. Cause like, I haven't done rocket science, you know? Um, so I really hope that in 20 years, something that I would have done had like, was inspiring enough for other people to like do it too, or do their own form of it.
1: Stacey, I can't, this has been the best. Thank you for, for, for giving us a peek into how you built such a kick ass <laughs> platform. Thanks. And I'm so excited to see what happens with Say It Forward. This has been an absolute joy. Where can people find you?
0: Uh, they can find me personally. Um, my personal Instagram is Stacy underscore The business is How He Asked. Um, and then Say It Forward is letsayitforward.com.
1: And let's put out a call to this. Like take, give yourself right now, go three people, three people who deserve to be celebrated. Go to Say It Forward and celebrate them today
0: yes it's super easy it take I like timed it like 12 times so I can get this down but it takes 38 seconds start to finish if you know what so you're doing. Cool.
1: <laughs> so cool
0: yeah
1: Stacey I'm proud of you so proud of you
0: I'm proud of you my friend
1: never underestimate the power of vision and a hell of a lot of persistence and perseverance and if you're feeling inspired to take that first step with the idea you've been sitting on Create your next website on Squarespace, the sponsor of the She Can She Did podcast. From blogs to business sites, restaurant sites, band websites, and e-commerce sites, Squarespace has a template and a kind customer service team that is ready to help you take your idea and make it a website. Take a chance on yourself and take that leap of faith. You don't have to have it all figured out, just the courage to go for it. So use offer code SHEDID to save 10% on your personal domain address and purchase of your first website on Squarespace. Offer code SHEDID because you can and will. Until next time.